All right, good morning, church. Guess what? The liturgical side of things is coming to an end, and I'm going to preach now. We want to do things a little bit different. We want to shake it up. And you know what else? If I can say this, I didn't mention it. Sometimes the worship team needs a break, too. They need to be able to sit, take communion, take a deep breath, experience God's presence. Obviously, that can happen with another worship team. But we thought, you know what, let's do something really different. We're going to shake things up. We have the ability to do that. Uh, the church of our size and our location, we won't always be doing that, but, but uh, we thought it was a special moment for us. So, guys, welcome to High Point. My name is Andy. We are a part of a ministry here called Every Nation. We're in about 78 different nations. We have 500, 550-ish churches uh, around the world, and we are passionate about taking this gospel, the message of Jesus, to you, to your family, to your children, to our community, to our high schools and middle schools, to the children's home down the street, to the universities around us. We're passionate about seeing Jesus exalted and be worshiped. And so we're in a series right now called Frequency, but before we get back to it, how about the fact in reality that Easter is just a couple weeks away? Yes. Yeah, we can be excited about Easter. If everybody clap your hands and let's be excited about Easter. You know what's always fun is the awkward moment when in the church where you don't know, you know, should I clap right now? Should I not? Oh yeah, I'll just help you out. So Easter's just a few weeks away. That poll, which is accurate, that 90% of the people that know you, most of them are open to going to a church, especially on Easter. And so we have to be courageous enough to actually ask. And so we have made things a little bit easier for you, and we have made Easter invitations for you, okay? Uh, you can pick them up at guest services. You can pick them up at uh, the guest reception area at, at the uh, end of service. Uh, but our hope is... is not to just simply say, wow, look how many people came to Easter, but in all reality, to get the gospel to as many people as possible. That's the point. And it does make me laugh that all of those people, the loud talkers, the baby talkers, the people who don't talk, they all need Jesus. This is true, but you know who else? So do we, okay? And it helps me when I step out and I act and live like Jesus, who cared about those who needed to know him. We become more like Jesus when we care more about the people in our path who need him. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and apologize if my, if my voice goes out. Um, I'm just going to hand the microphone to my lovely wife right here. She's going to say, take over. We're in a series, guys, called Frequency, and we wanted to do something different this morning. Um talking about how to worship God. And last week we, we joked about growing, if you grew up in the 80s or even early 90s and you had the cassette tape radio. I mean, the good old days. And you got your blank cassette, you put it in and you hit play and record. And you recorded your best songs on Casey Kasem's Top 40. It was, it was awesome, okay? The quality was horrendous. But everybody also knows if you, were, if you were operating with an antenna, you had to adjust that thing. And we brought a little radio today. Where did it actually go? Uh-oh. 
Somebody stole it. Somebody stole my radio. I want you to know that this is real life right here. This was the other thing. Depending on how sweet your radio was, you might actually have it stolen, which was my problem. So here it is. I don't know who, who did that, but, you know, just. just. <laughs> so the hanger. Anybody remember this? Oh, yeah. Your antenna's not working. So what do you do? Boy, you, you get this hanger going because you need a little, you need a conduction. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm going to stick with it. You need a conductor because you've got to get that frequency right. You've got to strengthen the signal. You know, remember driving around in cars when the antennas used to, you know, people would have the little antenna. What were those things they'd put on the little antenna stoppers? Because antennas were the rage, right? And, of course, the thing that you need to do most is call more attention to your antenna on your car so people would get the little, do you remember the jack-in-the-box little antenna stopper? Anybody? No? Okay. All right. All right. So, you'd put your hanger up. Or if you have a TV and you've got your rabbit ears antenna. And what you're doing is you're trying to adjust that thing over and over again to get the right signal. And sometimes when it comes to worship, worship can feel a little bit like that. And I don't mean to say that, that, that somehow we have to adjust our worship all the time so God hears us. But just that as we're trying to communicate with God, as we're trying to hear from him, as we're trying to communicate with him, for many people, they find this to be tremendously challenging. And so the reason we took time this morning to pray is because for many of us, we rarely do it. It's hard for us to quiet our souls and have a moment of reflection where we've either just read the Bible or we just pray and we hear God or we pray to God. We talk to him, we open our mouth. And it feels like trying to adjust the antenna or, well, the antenna's just busted. Hangers on the floor. We got what we got. You get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit, right? And you just kind of live your life. Not having a great relationship with God, speaking to him, or praying to him, or seeing God move as you pray. This is dangerous. I'm going to leave it up here. We're going to see how long I can leave it up here without knocking it off. (laughs) Guys, the tragedy of today is not unanswered prayer. Despite the Garth Brooks song, despite MC Hammer and his hammer pants, you know, moving across the stage, singing to what song? We've got to pray. Only one of the greatest jams of of 1990, okay? Don't even hate on MC Hammer. That was my life growing up. Exhorted to pray. But the greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. And if there's any dearth in the American church, it is our willingness to spend time in communication with God. We don't know how to pray. We struggle with it. I'll be the first to tell you that I like action. 
raise your hand if you're somebody who's a go-getter, you know, that you like to just do. Many of our church, part of what makes a church plant successful is that many people who are doers are drawn to it, which is why so many people are serving. So many people are getting things done. They're running around here. They're teaching this. They're doing this. They're X, Y, Z. But a church of doers oftentimes can struggle to sit and pray. And if there is anything that we need more of, it is being led by God. It is hearing from God. And it is God changing our own hearts as we pray to him. Do this. Turn to Luke chapter 11. We're just going to read a couple verses here because you need to be encouraged this morning that prayer isn't something that's just a struggle for you. We're talking about worship and you need to know that worship, prayer is a kind of worship. Just like singing with your hands raised. You know what else is a form of worship? Taking the time to simply read the scriptures and let God change you and move in your life. That, even that, is a form of worship. You're going to hear next week about sacrifice and giving and how we give is a portion and part of worship as well. And many of us need to adjust the dials and the frequencies, but here here we have Jesus in Luke chapter 11. He's fed the 5,000 with just a few loaves and a few fish. He's rebuked demons inside of children. He's healed people. He's been teaching with great authority. He sent out 72 disciples with authority to teach and heal the sick. Not too long after, uh, one of his friends, Lazarus, has died. And Jesus goes to Lazarus' house. And the scriptures tell us that Lazarus, Jesus prayed, and Lazarus literally stepped out of a tomb. He'd been in for a couple days. He was dead, and now he's alive again because Jesus raised him from the dead. Okay. That's intense. We just... Can we just take a a breather on that for a minute? Imagine if you have seen all that. Imagine if you have seen all of those things. Previously, you were fishing, and now this is your life. Okay? You probably have some questions. Luke 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I love this verse so much. And it convicts me every time I read it. Because of all of the things they've already seen Jesus do, they're not asking for him to teach them on how to multiply food. They're not asking him how to raise the dead. They're not asking him even how to teach or preach better. They're coming to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, you've got to teach us to pray like you're praying. Can you show us how to do that? Why? I mean, to be fair, as a pastor of the church, I have the blessing and curse of being able to bear my soul in front of you from time to time, and I have to bear mine right now. I wouldn't have asked that, most likely. 
I wanted to know, I would want to know how he raised that dude from the dead. Like, Jesus, you've got to show me how to do that. This is amazing, right? I would just be walking around cemeteries. You, 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 bam, bam, just check it out. This is amazing. Obviously, I wouldn't be able to do that because my heart wouldn't have been right, and Jesus wouldn't have shown me how to raise people from the dead. But this is me bearing my soul, okay? Jesus is extraordinary, And they have caught something that we oftentimes miss. That's the source of Jesus' strength and the source of his authority and power didn't come in skills or just gifts. It came because he was abiding in the Father and he was praying and he did it every single day. And he would pull aside. He would move away from the t-shirt sales. He was moving away from the CDs and the autographs. And what would he do time and time again? Let me get away from all the noise and let me quiet myself before God and pray. You see, again, we did this exercise this morning because we greatly struggle with slowing our lives down enough to take real time to pray. But if we're going to grow to be the kind of men and women that God would have us become. We've got to capture again what it looks like to be men and women who know how to cry out to God. They know how to pray. Who know how to ask him of great things and to stand and believe and to pray. Jesus said to them, He said, when you pray, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So just to give you a little reference here. Here are some things that Jesus is inviting you and I to pray for. For God to be glorified in his kingdom to come. For material needs. God, would you meet, give me my daily bread, Lord. Each of us have things that we need God to move in. We need to confess our sin and experience forgiveness afresh. God, forgive me. I blew it. In the same way that I choose to forgive my friend or my spouse. God, I need you to forgive me. And also protection. Would you lead me not into temptation? So when we talk about our families and we talk about our jobs and we talk about our life, Jesus is instructing us on how to pray, how to cry out to him, how to be desperate for more of him, how to be hungry for the right things. God, would your kingdom come? Would you protect me? Forgive me when I sin, but help me not to keep walking down these paths. Lead me not into temptation. Lord, I've got some material needs. I I need more money, Lord. I'm, I'm coming to you. You are my provider, not the person who writes my paycheck. I'm coming to you, God. Would you give me each day my daily bread? Gotta pray just to make it today. MC Hammer. Nice. 
You can go YouTube a little MC Hammer after service. In fact, some of you are young enough to you don't even know who he is. And one of your jobs when you leave church today is to Google MC Hammer. And you can watch. You can't touch this. And we've got to pray. Amy and I recently attended a little mini conference for pastors in Jacksonville last Monday. Last week? Doesn't matter. We're in a car. We're driving to Jacksonville. And none of our kids are with us. You know, we love our children. But I'm going to tell you something. I was so happy. <laughs> Hear me? I'm, pre- I'm preaching truth today, okay? I love my kids. But Amy and I were able to sit in a car right next to each other and talk about life for six hours straight. She could be quiet if she wanted to. I could be quiet if I wanted to. Nobody was asking for snacks. Nobody was asking for anything. We just sat next to each other and we talked about the things that matter to us, things that matter most to us. We ended up talking about our children. But thankfully, we're able to talk about our children and there's no interruptions. And I want you to know that many married couples need moments, right, where you're able to just get away and communicate. How strong would our relationship be if Amy and I never took the time to talk to each other? If we just existed in covenant marriage, but we never actually communicated, would we have a a strong relationship? No, we wouldn't. Because she wouldn't know what's on my heart, and I wouldn't know her heart. We have to take the time to communicate. And that means we also have to learn how to do it in the midst of all the noise. We can't only have mountaintop experiences with God once or twice a year where we finally feel refreshed and we finally get in his presence and he changes us. We've got to be the kind of people who get up in the morning or stay up at night or do go to your car during a lunch break and learn how to encounter and pray and experience God. We have to. Because as Christians, if you've put your faith in Jesus, the greatest thing, the greatest gift you ever get to experience is knowing God and him knowing you. We've got to pray. I read this a couple days ago, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to wanted to share, but I, I'm going to, and I'm going to try to connect the dots on it for you. Because not only does my soul need to be known by God, not only do I need relationship with God Almighty, You might be sitting here and saying, well, why? Well, I'm going to tell you that of all the things that I find myself regularly praying, a habitual prayer for me is my need for peace. Anybody pray for peace? Right? I don't mean like world peace. I, I probably should pray for that, but I don't. I'm praying for peace, God's peace in my life. Why? Because if you're like 
probably just about every other human being in the United States, it feels like there's a hundred plates spinning all the time. And sometimes our challenge is just stopping the plate. But other times we've got to be able to find Jesus in the middle of the storm and let him bring peace to you and me in the midst of all of it. So why do we need to pray? Well, for one of the reasons is you need the Prince of Peace in your life. You need more of him. I need more of his wisdom, more of his guidance, more of his strength, more of his power, more of his hope, more of his mercy. When I am not praying, I find myself getting sharp. I find myself getting, hate to admit it, my, my tongue is too quick, short-tempered, get irritated and flustered. Amy can always tell. Have you, have you prayed? No. Okay. I need to go take some time. There's a guy named Henry. Didn't want to give his last name. He's 64. He said he prays every night. Kneeling by his bed. Despite, he says, not being religious. And I quote, I worry about it quite a lot. Is it some kind of an insurance policy? Is it superstition or is it something more real? Asked if he believed in God, he said, I don't know, but I would describe myself at the skeptical end of agnosticism. I certainly wouldn't classify myself as religious. The most recent survey of atheists showed that about 25% of atheists secretly pray. That grips my heart when I hear that. Because what that tells me is that even in the places where we have just, we're trying to push God out the most, there still is this great cavern that even when no one is looking, I'm trying to fill with God. And, I'm, and I, I, God, I don't know if you're really real. I don't think you are. But just in case you are, I pray to you. That convicts me that even an atheist, someone who professes unbelief, there, there's some backdoor praying happening, and yet I can't even get out of my bed and pray before work. Other than the kind of shower sticky prayer, God, help me to have a great day. Thank you for the weather. Deuce. Peace. Oh, I've got that prayer down. It's a beautiful day, God. Thank you. Ah, thank you for fresh breath in my lungs. And mm, thank you for my family. Okay. Now, is there more? Is that a bad prayer? Absolutely not. You gotta pray where you are. But there comes a point church, where we should be growing in how we pray. We should be growing in depth for what we're praying for. Are we praying for anything larger than what we can accomplish in our own strength? What are you praying for that's beyond you? 
See, people say, I can't afford to give that time to God, and I'm here to tell you this morning, you cannot afford not to. You need more of God. I need to worship him more. I need to encounter him more. And one of the ways I do that is by praying. And it's so simple. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, 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 it's a broken record this morning. Pray, oh, okay, pray, okay. Oh, gosh, is there any other meat to this message? Well, yes, but it's the simple things that we oftentimes forfeit. Are you praying? Jesus said to them, suppose you've got a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, do not bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. That's a true story right there. If you wake up my kids, I will destroy you. I can't get up and give you anything. <laughs> I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I don't know about you, but I have great need in my life. I'm not going to mince words. God is worthy of my worship and my prayers and my thanksgiving long before he ever does anything for me. If he never did anything else for you or me, he would be worthy of your worship from now to through eternity. But the great news is, is that he still is moving and doing great and powerful things. Nothing eclipses him sending his son for you and I to have relationship that, that we might be restored to him. But make no mistake about it, when we pray, the scriptures remind us, Jesus reminds us, ask. You don't have because you aren't asking. The door isn't open. Why? Because you're not knocking. You're not finding because you're not seeking. You don't care. The one who seeks finds. The one who asks, well, however it goes. What is it? It's going to bother me now. I'm in, the, I'm in the zone and I, and I jacked it up. Thank you. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you can accomplish everything in your own life on your own strength, I got bad news for you. You're not in God's will. Because God is constantly taking you and I to places that require more faith. I don't like that. But it's true. And my propensity, every time I get to a place that requires more faith, my propensity is still to do it every single time in my own strength. 
But God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And so God will wait and he patiently waits. And he patiently waits until my heart is broken and I turn to him and I pray. God, you are my strength. God, I'm weak, but you are strong. That's the joy of the Lord that's my strength. You renew my strength like the wings of eagles, Lord. There's a pastor, a friend of mine in St. Louis, and I'm going to begin to close. I want you to hear this because there's a, a friend of mine that pastors a church in St. Louis. It's a, it's a very significant church in the St. Louis area. And they were meeting in a hotel similar to this. And they met in a hotel lobby or a hotel conference room. But they felt like God was saying that we need, they need to start praying for a building or a facility. And so there was this plot of land being sold for super cheap in the St. Louis area. And they felt like God was saying to them after praying to buy it. Except they had a problem. This plot of land was 100% landlocked. But they did it anyway. They bought it. And there was an older gentleman who owned a lot of the property behind the church. And one day my friend was just out there walking the land and walking the property. And this guy started walking to him out from this house off in the distance Shotgun in hand. He met him out there. He said, you that pastor that bought this land? Yes. And immediately, I'm sure he's probably going into a sales pitch on how, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to buy your land. And, you know, it'll open up the landlocked area. We really felt God, blah, blah, blah. And the guy, old man's in heaven. He's got a shotgun in his hand. He says, just want you to know that over my dead body, you're going to buy my property. This is always going to be landlocked here. Not selling it. They walk away, and that night the man died. And they bought all of his property. And they opened it up, and it is a prolific church in St. Louis. Now, I'm saying this to you. It's an odd story, right? Except that God's people... There are so many times where what he's inviting you to do might look odd or mysterious to the world. Who buys a plot of land that's landlocked? Only someone who is talking and communing and having relationship with the God of heaven and earth. See, there are decisions that you need to make and I need to make. And the only way you're going to know how to make it is by praying and talking and asking for God's wisdom. See, there are, there are things that need to change in your life, the shape in your life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the only way you're going to grow in it is by talking to God and letting him change you. Some of you need healing in your life. And the only way you will encounter that is by praying and asking God to heal. See, God still moves. God is still powerful, but He is also patient and waiting for a people who will humble themselves. 
and seek him. He will knock on the door. He will ask him. He'll pray. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. God, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. I'm going to close with that. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to exhort you to do two things. If praying is difficult for you, then I'm asking you to literally pray for God to help you pray. God, I'm struggling to pray. Would you help me pray? You're praying for him to help you pray. I've prayed that prayer before. God, would you help me? And I want to encourage you, for those who have a difficult time, are you not praying? Start praying five minutes a day. Just five. Do what Jesus did and find a certain place and pray. Don't have your phone with you? Pray and seek him. Talk to him. Give it over to him. Confess sin to him. Ask for his help in your life. If praying comes naturally to you and you love it and it comes easily to you, well, increase it. Start praying for more. Start praying for your church more. Start praying for growth. Pray for those who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. Get in your car and come over to the church office at 6.30 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. Rut row. So this is how I know when people are unfamiliar with prayer, when I say, hey, we pray together at 6.30 on Wednesday, and they do this. Oh, that sounds horrible. It may sound horrible, but that's just because we're so out of shape praying. So I challenge you this morning. Get in your car. Join us for prayer. And let God do something powerful in your life. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, we adjust the frequency even now. Lord, we, we, we choose not to leave this place, uh, God, without a, without a fresh desire to pray and talk to you, to hear from you and be led by you. God, would you help us to pray? And when we don't know what to pray, God, would you help our spirit to cry out and to groan and to, and, and to speak to you, God, even when we don't know how or what to pray for. God, would you help us? God, help us to grow in the practice of praying. We love you. We worship you, Lord. In the name of Jesus.